KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, good morning. Good grief, another Saturday, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are talking all things about your home. And the phone lines for you, as always, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120, That's from anywhere on the globe. We've got a great week coming up here in the following uh, days here in the beautiful Midwest. So, golly, every place on the globe is pretty much a nice place during October. I like the turning trees. Uh, Of course, that's always something that's important to me. Perhaps it is to you. We can talk about that and how it affects the maintenance of your home or not. 314-436-7900, Two hours, all phones, all you. We have no guests scheduled to come in here today, so we've got lots of things to talk about, many of which have to do with the changing seasons. As the leaves start to fall, maintenance issues around the house because of changing season, we're uh, pretty much, uh, you know, the air conditioner's got a nice break from us, uh, kind of tucking it in putting it to bed. We will have some warm uh, days here as we go, but uh, keep in mind, this is a great opportunity. Wide open the windows, bring the fresh air inside the house, change that indoor air to something from the outside, and indeed uh, be aware that leaf season is upon us. When the leaves start to fall, they start to dry out, and later on around the later part of the month in Halloween and November, when we start, uh, you know, Picking up those leaves, sometimes the moisture, the mold, the dust, all of that comes back as well. So realize that this is filter season. This is filter season. Time to change the furnace filter, water filters, any kind of weatherization. Put away the lawn irrigation, fountains you may have, those with pools. You're aware that it's time to close up the pools and winterize, get them covered, all those things. Sometimes before the leaves. It's a great October temperatures are getting just a little chilly so it's uh, not necessarily the month for wet shoulders but you know for those of you that are willing to heat your pools it's still nice time to be outside anywhere and indeed so think about that but in the furnace filters be aware that it may behoove you that as we open these windows in our homes where we might have had the house all closed up for air conditioning for three months and haven't changed the filters you know in that time and now it's time to change that furnace filter typically for me I like to change the furnace I check the furnace filters four times a year so every time the season changes you know winter spring summer fall I'll go downstairs and I when I put a furnace filter in there's a little arrow that points in the direction of airflow typically on a furnace that points toward the blower motor Um, so because typically an upflow furnace or a horizontal flow uh, return typically airflow gets filtered before it gets to the filter and that air handler or the furnace as you and I might call it so keep in mind that arrow is important I also put a date on that filter so you know today it would be 10 10 uh, 21 
and then I know when I last changed that filter. I do that with water filters, air filters, anything that maintenance, I, you know, when I change the oil on a lawnmower or something like that. Uh, because my memory it has better things to keep track of than, you know, when did I change that filter? So again, uh, for those of you that have calendars on the smartphones, another place I put it as well. And uh, also, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, so for those of you that really um, run by a schedule or don't, this is a great opportunity to do that. There is a residential maintenance calendar. Uh, you're welcome to log into MosbyBuildingArts.com, MosbyBuildingArts.com, my day job, if you will. Or for those of you like me that are memory challenged, call Mosby. Yeah, C-A-L-L. M-O-S-B-Y, call Mosby. I can remember that. And it's M-O-S-B-Y, no E in that. Um, but anyway, look, do a search for residential maintenance list. That's a good one. Also, a seminar coming up here October 15th, 3 o'clock on Facebook. It's a Facebook Live, so it's a video issue. And it's the great debate, tub versus walk-in shower. Do I bathe? Do I walk in? What's the truth? For those of you that just dream of bathing that luxurious experience of just baking yourself and soaking do you really do it how many times has that tub been used that's the issue that we face here in the u.s probably of at mosby building arts when we remodel master bathrooms eight out of ten times we're pulling out the tub you're and and for those bathers that really do it that's sacrilege you just can't take my tub out but for the reality would you rather have a generous shower, walk in curbless, you know, wheelchair, if you will. But the point being that as I stumble in in the morning, half awake, half asleep, whether I'm capable or not, that curb, that bump, that raise in the floor, just another opportunity for a whoops. And I'm just uh, designing those out of my life and out of the lives of our clients as well at every opportunity. Uh, phone lines today on KMOX, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. As we get into the changing seasons, a couple of things I want you to think about. Number one, as we open these windows, realize we've had rain and dust that settles into the tracks of those windows. So if you have sliders especially or sliding patio doors, uh, it may be really good to get in there with a stiff bristle brush into the track, knock that dust loose, vacuum it out, and uh, it not necessary to lubricate the track down below. Uh, but as you slide that door back and forth, the window back and forth, open it up and do the same to where the the door or the window pane sits when it's in its closed position so both positions closed open clean that track out uh, don't uh, lubricate it in the track that's better done up above an inch above that where the rollers are for both the windows and the doors now for double hung sliding windows up and down awning uh, casements all of that open those windows and doors clean the weather strip I know that sounds silly a little bit scrubby dutchy but it is but those weather strips as they get coated with a coat of dust they don't seal just wipe them down with a damp cloth, nothing special. Uh, you don't need to wax it or lubricate, anything like that. Just give them a good wipe down. And for those of you that have trouble moving those uh, uh, sashes up and down, uh, a bar of soap, old-fashioned bar of soap, or for you canners, that would be some um, 
uh, paraffin wax, normally used for canning, like canning peaches and tomatoes and vegetables. It's just um, slick them. So that, that was one of the first things I learned as a young carpenter from my father was carry a small bar of soap. So when the bar of soap got kind of too small to bathe with, I'd throw it in my carpenter toolbox. And every now and again, I'd come across a door that just not right or a window, give it a cup up and down where that moves. By golly, that rascal tends to move pretty good. And once I wound up realizing that it's really the wax in the soap I was applying, I no longer used a bar of soap. I went to just simple paraffin wax. And uh, typically found somebody that was a canner because buying a pound or five pounds of paraffin wax for a carpenter, you know, that uses maybe an eighth pound in five years, yeah, it's it becomes a storage issue. Phone lines three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. My day job is at Mosby Building Arts. They're the people that keep me smart, and we debate. So if you think of us as a family business, by golly, it sure is. Because when we have our differences, and we do, around design, around the best way to build a project, we debate it back and forth. So we're like brothers and sisters. We go at it like brothers and sisters. We're kind and polite, but by golly, we're also uh, vociferous when we believe our positions. And really, uh, that's kind of the culture of the company because we like doing it the right way. What that means is we don't have to go back and fix it when we do it right the first time. And yet we're humans, so our whole business is designed around how do we get it right the first time. Because of that, we're in the design-build construction business, which means we have a complete architectural firm, uh, every type of designer you can imagine residentially on staff as employees employed by Mosby Building Arts because it matters that you think through the best products you supervise how those products are trained to the tradesmen the installers the carpenters the painters all the people that make up Mosby Building Arts and then we are able to tell that story and explain why or why not to our clients who depend on us to make choices of good products and labor 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 Scott Mosby KMOX I am at your service Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement. Uh, Scott Mosby chatting off the air with our producer, Alex Muskoff. He and his wife, Emily, are having their second coming up, uh, actually just around the holidays. So if you could, if you're calling in, please offer your congratulations and best wishes to Alex and Emily. Uh, just It's just fun chatting with him. So anyway, little indulgence there for me uh, on KMWAX. We're going right to the phone lines now. Let's go and see what's happening with my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Welcome to KMWAX, my friend. Uh, hey, Scott, how you doing? Uh, a couple of things you were talking about. One is um, I change the furnace filter like every month, and it's really it's really a bad then. I mean, I don't use the cheapest filter, but not the most expensive because I understand they can, if you get the good ones, they can impede airflow. Uh, number two, um, I've been in my house going on 48 years and I've had windows replaced several times and they're good windows, but you know, the house settles and it's hard to get them up and down a lot, not because of the quality of the windows, but because of that, what can be done there? 
uh, really, a lot of these windows, and actually some of the better windows, are made to be adjusted, believe it or not. Uh, if you have casements, uh, double-hung sliders. But generally, I find on windows that uh, even a, a window that's installed just too tightly, that you can indeed lubricate it. Um, and, and I'm not an um, oil guy, because oil turns into sludge in the winter so in good old st louis when it gets to be negative five degrees fahrenheit i mean that's really cold that nice liquid oil turns into grease which isn't as slick as it is when it's liquid so anyway i i still like the paraffin wax i will lubricate it but clean it that's that's indeed it if you just lubricate it then you put wax on top of the dirt and then the dirt sticks to the new wax you can actually sludge up your window without cleaning those tracks so make sure you do clean those tracks uh just you know good old you know damp something you can spritz it with a uh you know just a glass cleaner or something it doesn't take anything special but don't underestimate how much gook and grime on the vertical up and down tracks uh, can really impede the flow or movement of your windows. And then keep in mind that you can somewhat adjust. And if you have, say, aluminum or vinyl windows, there are balances. Uh, actually, the lift mechanism that takes the weight off of that sash, uh, those can actually be readjusted because, you know, like you know springs do they get less strong with age so if your windows are 10 years old those springs that are the ones that help lift the sash uh, those can be adjusted by a window adjustment and you know typically the better brands have all that yeah well i don't even uh open most of most of the time because it's so difficult to to open and close them because of closing them because you know the house has settled a tiny bit they're good windows and they were adjusted back when but I, okay, yeah. I think yeah, part of it is the house settling, too, and on that kind of, I don't know yeah. what to do there. Well, keep in mind, uh, uh, the house settling uh, doesn't always mean a foundation because you've got a lot of boards between that foundation and where that window is, even on a one-story home. So there's a lot of little oh, right. joints that over time can move. You, know, you and I get wrinkles, and houses move. So, Thank you. Yeah, okay, thanks for the call, Mike. Take care. Again, mostly just uh, Mike changes his furnace filters every month. Uh, So if your lifestyle or the number of people you have or you love opening the windows and doors, which I do, uh, so typically in the spring and the fall, believe it or not, like Mike, because I open my windows up, I change those furnace filters probably every month like he does. When we go to the summer or the winter when those windows stay closed, uh, typically then I can get away for two or three months without it. And and some of this is how tight your house is uh, as far as having all your electrical outlets, your ceiling lights, recessed cans, all those things airtight, air sealed so that you don't have what we call air infiltration um, or leakage. Uh, And and likewise, even in the return air duct. So if you go down in your basement, if you've got a basement and you're walking around and we call it the sill plate or sole plate, S-O-L-E, sole plate or sill, S-I-L-L, plate it's the board the two by four the two by six the board laying flat on top of the concrete on which the entire floor structure uh, is affixed or adhered Uh, around that sill plate is a great opportunity for bugs to get in 
leaks of air, but with it comes dust because you've got a furnace, a, a powered vacuum cleaner that blows out on one end and sucks in on the other, and that's your furnace. So if you have an imbalance in your supply and your return air ducts, and anybody listening today, I promise you have an imbalance in that because it's very difficult, and the execution of construction and return air ducts in residential construction is just not very good. So typically you will be sucking air, dust, dirt, insulation in through the sea. So air sealing is really important. Uh, 314-436-7900 for those of you wishing to call in. 800-925-1120. Let's go talk with my friend Bill. Bill, good morning again. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help, sir? Uh, Hi, Scott. Yeah, I have a uh, sunroom and I've had some problems with the uh, door that uh, keeps hanging up at the bottom. It's the scraping really yeah. difficult to open and close it's it's weather related uh come this winter it'll be fine for a while and then when it starts warming up it does it again so i know there's some you know, temperatures causing a problem but yeah. uh, looking at that threshold i don't see how i could do anything to it you can see where it scrapes but uh i don't know what i could do with it well, uh, actually, it's a pretty easy fix for you, Bill, believe it or not. Uh, what happens in the wintertime on a sunroom, you've got a slab that that room is built on, and when it freezes, the soil, the wet soil, expands just like the ice in the old swimming pools where we used to, be, as kids, see barrels in those pools. Well, when water freezes, it expands. When ground freezes, it lifts up, and that's what's pinching your door. Now that the th- threshold's gone back down, what happens is when you open and close that door, hundreds of times those there are rollers inside there about an inch and a half in diameter and they the adjustment rumbles down so all wood thresholds on swinging doors patio doors uh, there will be an adjustment screw in the end and if it's an aluminum door or a vinyl door it has a oh a little bit smaller than a dime there might be a little plastic cap or cup or a small hole about three-eighths inch diameter take a Phillips screwdriver and it sometimes it goes in three four five inches so sometimes it has to be a long phillips stick it in and see if you can find it as you turn it clockwise screwing it in it will lift the door up as you unscrew it it will lift the door it'll let the door settle down and when the door settles down too far you are metal on metal dragging that door you will be surprised how successfully and how quickly you can move that and as carpenters when we install these doors those are the rollers we adjust to get the door straight up and down in that opening so again but if you go through one season with a patio door the one that you use a lot you'll need to adjust that at least once a year so that's again that another one of my spring and fall things because i'm always in and out i'm opening the doors and you know so on patio doors i adjust you know i just you know get my cup of coffee i'm an early riser i get out and i start adjusting stuff yeah this is a hinged door i do not see any kind of rollers whatsoever on it do you have a screw on the bottom of a wood threshold yet like little slots it's not wood okay is but do you have any slots there they'd be a little smaller than a dime that would be an adjustable threshold and those go up and down as well if they're little they're either if it's old aluminum you'll just have you know screws they just tighten in and they stay put and then your sweep would be on the bottom of the door the rubber thing the gasket there there's what there's no screws uh it's aluminum um you know i'm looking at it right now and then on the outside there's a uh, lip, so when the door closes, you know, it's kind of a... Uh... Okay, interlocking? 
kind of yeah. has a okay yeah, that door yeah. really has to and that that's an old really effective threshold that yeah. works great when it's perfectly adjusted and when right. it's not those interlocking u-shaped uh clips uh you'll play uh, havoc trying to get those to align uh then if you've got that then your hinges will be the adjustment typically door like i sag you know when i get older you know my skin sags you know i bend over a little bit well your door pulls away from the top hinge so first off try tightening your door hinges both in, both in the door and the jam and if not then some yeah it's it's uh can i give the name of the uh sunroom company or not oh uh, sure go ahead um it's patriot patriot sunroom okay which was added at one time before we lived here uh, the hinges, you can't see any any uh, screws. There might Give be them some... a call. Give them a call. Believe me, I'm pretty sure Patriot will just come on out to say hello and see what your doors are. And, you know, if there's something that needs to be done, they'll take care of it. If there's something with a charge, it'll be a nominal charge. But I'd give Patriot a call see what see what they do. Yeah. The you whole... know, it's a good company, so lean the on it. The whole floor has, you know, a slight slope because initially I think it was just a patio uh, and then they enclosed it with this, you know, with the sunroom. Uh, and, of course, you can see where they had a, the threshold. They had to make it plumb to start with. Mm-hmm. But I put a level on it now, and, of course, it's, you know, everything's gone down. <laughs> you put a level on me, and everything's gone down, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, and I say that, but, I mean, everything does move. And sometimes just knowing which screw to turn. So I, I'd give Patriot a call, and I think they'd be happy to come out and see yeah, what's It looks cooking. to me like the threshold's going to have to be replaced. And then the latches that go into the jam, of course, they're all come down to about 16th of an inch, so they don't fit into yeah. the, uh, the holes. Yeah. Well, that that's a place to start. I mean, it, it, you, you bought from a company that has a service department, so I, I'd lean on that investment that you made. Okay. Well, thank you for your uh, advice. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Bill. Okay. Fine. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. <clears throat> Some of that is, uh, you know, and I'm guiding to go back to the original installer. Um, most companies that are good typically will gladly come out and check your door, your window, whatever it is. So when you see a company that advertises lifetime labor warranty, what that means is, you know what, we're looking for a long-term relationship. We'll be glad to come out and talk to you, see what's happening. If a door needs adjustment or a window needs adjustment, maybe there's going to be a charge for that if it gets more involved or pieces are worn or whatever. But keep in mind that uh, the lifetime warranty is mostly an attempt at a long-time relationship, which means that you can give them a call, and that's why I like brand names. Uh, typically, they have a lot to lose and they will protect their reputation with these long warranties you know speaking for mosby that's why we do we have lifetime labor warranties number one we have full control over whether it gets installed right or wrong and with that goes full responsibility 
of whether it gets installed right or wrong. And you know what? If it doesn't, rather than you be unhappy, we'd rather you think kindly about us. Give us a call. We'll come repair the thing or adjust it or whatever. And we actually started a service for just that uh, reason. Uh, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby. I'm sitting kind of alone here in this studio. Not much cooking. Give me a call. I'm just, you know, around here. If we don't get something going, I'm going to talk to Margaret here in a little bit, but I have to take a short pause. We'll be right back here on University of KMWX. Margaret, you're up after this break here on KMOX. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, for you Saturday listeners, 1138 here. It's time to get up and about with your day, and most of us are long into the day. Phone lines here on KMOX, 314-436-7900, toll-free. Anywhere on the globe, you can dial in 800-925-1120. My furthest caller came from Puerto Rico. Uh, closest one was my neighbor next door one day. And one of the more humorous stories was this was shortly after I'd been on KMOX. Uh, I think I'm in my 23rd or 24th year, something like that. Anyway, I had just started on KMOX, and, and you know my phone is listed in the phone book. It, you know it just it's just me and my wife, and you know I figure if you're a business, you should be you know reachable. Uh, so anyway, we have we're still listed. But it, it was interesting. A woman calls my home and says, "Is Scott there?" And she said, "No, he's on the radio." It was uh, about this time. About 1120, 1130. And she said, uh, uh, well, you can call him down at Cambridge. She said, well, I tried, but it was so busy that uh, I thought I'd try him at home. And so anyway, my wife answered the question. She's pretty capable. She'd been around the block many, many times in the construction business as well. But I found that interesting. The lady just thought, well, you know, he's busy down at KMWX. I'll try him at another number, and we'll just uh, get that answer a little quicker. So anyway, some of the KMWX humor and the fun things that have happened here uh, in my many years of enjoyment here on KMWX. Uh, let's go and talk with Margaret. Margaret, thanks for your patience. Scott Mosby here. How may I help you this morning on KMWX? Well, first of all, thank you for taking my call. Um, yeah. I live in a condo, and I'm wondering how often do I need to have the air ducts cleaned? How old is your condo? Well, the building is like close to 40 years old. I've lived here for 10 years. Okay. Are you pretty good about changing your furnace filters? Do you open your windows a lot? I don't open my of... windows, um, but I do yeah. change my filter. In fact, I'm going to do that today. But um, I had somebody come out four years ago, and he did do you know, clean the, the ducts and so forth. But I'm just wondering if I need to have it done again. That so my house doesn't really get dusty. Yeah, see, uh, then, then the answer is no. Typically, when I pull out, for example, we had a caller that changed his furnace filter. You know, Mike said, I do it every month, and it's full, and it's, bus- you know, it's, it's, you know, dirty. Well, then I would explore change or cleaning my air ducts because it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of dirt going through the air that gets caught by the furnace filters. For you and me, I don't really have a whole lot that I'm filtering out of the air, and I use a pretty tight, you know, for the 1 to 7 where, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think I use the Scott filters or, or Scotch and, and they're number 7, so it's pretty tight dust. When we remodel homes, we use those filters. We stick them on the return air ducts so that any dust that gets airborne in the construction process gets caught up in those. So we use a lot of filters, and gosh, you know, Margaret, I if, if you have clean filters on a regular basis and you've been changing them i just don't think there's any need to clean your ducts unless you go through a big remodeling project yeah. and you've got a bunch of dust airborne 
what I actually called this man to do today is to clean out the back of my dryer, the pipe, and then the pipe that goes all the way out to the outside. Yeah. Now, that's a worthy thing because dryers and lint, uh, that is the number one source of home fires. Yeah, I don't think he did it when he was here four years ago. I think he just concentrated on the vents. So uh, yeah. but this is what I want him to do today. And, of course, he wants to sell me the idea of cleaning the, the uh, ducts. And I don't I'm, – I'm, thank you for your call – for your comments because I don't think it's necessary either now. No, no. I, I, it really, cleaning your um, – uh, if I had to vote – uh, I would vote uh, cleaning your um, dryer filter every year and cleaning your ductwork maybe every 10 or 20 years or, or the feedback of information. You get a lot of dust on your filters on a regular basis. Then you may have a you know pretty leaky house and you're just getting more dust than normal. But, well, he's going to go and take the pipe that goes like over the ceiling and then outside. He's going to yeah. clean all that out. Oh, that's, that's nice. Well, that's I hope, nice. I hope so. That's, that, that's high value there. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're, you're welcome, Margaret. Thanks for your call. And, and uh, the importance of cleaning that uh, lint out is far uh, more important than cleaning our ductwork, believe it or not. Good. That's nice to know. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye. Home improvement, Camwex. Again, uh, some of that you get into uh, upselling. Uh, so you get there and we're going to change. We're going to do a simple thing. And, and you wind up with... Uh, um, Free this and free that and free this or oil change for $20, whatever it is, um, it, it can be an opportunity to offer you additional products and services. Uh, it's called upselling. Well, likewise, don't get that confused with solving the problem and going beyond because oftentimes we have clients call us and say, we want a new window. Uh, and the reality is we find that the room is dark and they're thinking we need to cut a hole in the house and make a new window when in reality they may need to prune or trim some bushes that are blocking the windows already there. Uh, so, you know, window covers, show me blinds. Keith Carver gets involved in adding light to homes sometimes just by maintenance. So keep in mind, there are solving the problems, changes, and then there's just, you know, let's clean your ductwork because your, you know, dryer vent is dirty. So, you know, just be aware. You and I, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's... Anyway, so anyway, three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let's see what's happening with Debbie. Hey, Debbie, good morning, and how can I help? Good morning. Thank you. Good Scott. morning. Uh, I have two questions. Yeah. Uh, first of all, my house is twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. When we had it built, we had a wood burning fireplace um, uh, installed in our home. A few years after that, husband and dad re- uh, made it a gas fireplace. Okay. I'll put the insert in there. And since they've done that, I have not been able to use my fireplace. And the reason is, is that any time that I build, a, you know, inject the, the gas burner, um, it starts melting the finish off of my mantle. Uh, so I don't know if maybe the logs are sitting too high in the chamber uh, or if my heat reflector is not deep enough. So I'm looking for a little guidance. Uh, how far above the firebox opening, when the doors are opened, how far above that is your mantle in um, inches? Needs to be at least 12 inches. 
Yeah, it is. I've got okay. the, above the reflector, I've got uh, a brick and then the mantle from the top of the reflector to the base of my mantle is eight and a half inches. You're still pretty tight. You're still pretty tight. There's a, And primarily, if it's melting, then you also have a fire threat. So thank you for not using you know, your log system. But likewise, if, do you have a flue? Are you opening the flue when you turn on this gas log? Uh, we've got it uh, adjusted so the flue only has about a half an inch opening. Um, so the damper, you know, all the heat's not going straight up the, the flue. Well, that's what's melting your uh, mantle. Uh, oh. Because the half inch is for the pilot light. That is only for carbon monoxide safety to keep you from dying. When you turn on that gas log, you wide open that flue because that heat has to go up that fireplace. You're basically, un- you have an unvented gas furnace in your fireplace if you're not opening that flue. This is a big deal. And if it's so melting, you all my heat going up the, the flue and not into yep. the room? A gas log will cost you about $3.50 to operate per hour because you're blowing all that heat away. But a real fireplace does the same thing. Keep that in mind. So if you're heating, if you're superheating on a combustion fuel source, heat rises and up it goes in the chimney. And the combustion air comes through the fire place opening the firebox opening that's where the oxygen comes from and then it all goes up what that means is a standard fireplace or a gas fireplace when the doors are open it draws the air from the house heated cooled or otherwise so you're already paying to heat that air and then you're blowing it away up the fireplace that's why some fireplace units have what's called combustion air inlets and that's an inhale way. So when you close the glass doors, if you have this combustion air on it, the oxygen comes through these little vents, usually on the other side, outside of the fireplace there. And, and homeowners never know what they are. But those are combustion air. And those inlets happen right at the bottom of the firebox. And whether it's a wood-burning fireplace or whether it's a gas fireplace or a sealed kind of, you know, whatever, that's the best of all worlds because now you're getting heat, you're getting radiation, heat radiating through the glass and that whole thing, but you're not blowing away air from inside the house. You're you're trying to kill yourself without closing, without opening that that uh, damper. Please, please, please. This is the, this is one of the most important phone calls I've had in a year. Okay. <laughs> Just open it up because that half inch is only for when you're not using the fireplace because your pilot light, uh, and that's by code because you're making some carbon monoxide. And for example, I'll tell you in my own home, we went away in the summertime and I left the pilot light on in the fireplace, closed fireplace doors, half inch gap, but the furnace, it's a 55, 60 year old house. When the air conditioner came on, it was drawing a vacuum. And, you know, so I think, um, you know, one of our neighbors went over to put something in the refrigerator while we were gone and the carbon monoxide detector was going off because that carbon monoxide from just that one little pilot light was enough to make the house unsafe in the summer because I was running the pilot light. So be careful. Um, Even that pilot light can kill you. Okay. So is there... So open up the flue, and then I'll be able to close the doors to get some of that heat uh, refracted into the room then? 
Yes, because what happens uh, when you close those doors, you won't have the roaring fire, but it then draws down the chimney flue, the combustion air as well. It'll still leak through around your gas door, your glass doors. Some of that is good for cooling off your glass doors, but if you're ten, if you're twelve inches away from your firebox, you should not have problems with your mantle. You just need to open up the chimney. It's it, it's it, you you have a great system that is not being used. That's all. Hmm. hmm. Okay. Please, so please. Have to extend or get a bigger uh, reflector on there then. Well, and I would the, honestly, you know, if, other... if you open that flue, just try it before. Just try opening that flue. I think you'll be surprised how things change so fast. Okay. Yeah, because there's absolutely no heat really that's coming into the room from it. Yeah, um, that's that's the truth. Okay. All right. I thank you for that. Uh, second question. Yeah. Is you know we're a few years down from replacing our windows, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to get some new blinds for the window. Uh, is there going to be a huge variance in what that replacement window might measure compared to what my blinds will measure? Yes. Am I putting the horse before the horse before yep. the, behind the cart? cart before the horse? Yeah. Now, if you if you do outside blinds that go on the surface of the wall and they don't inset in the opening of the window, then you're pretty safe. So if you have, you know, if your blinds extend beyond the left and the right of each window and door by two inches, then when you change that window, it really won't matter. So if you have out-mounted blinds, you're okay. But if you have inset inside the window openings, uh, it's a real handful to make new windows fit that opening. And and eight out of ten times, they just don't. Okay, I guess I'll just have to wait for the new windows. Yeah, oh, that's kind of it. Thanks. thanks for saving my life. <laughs> well, I'm, I'd rather you buy them just one time than two times. Two times, that second time after you pay for it once, you tend to get a little skinny because you blew the money the first time. It's like, oh, you know what? If I bought it once, I could have gotten really good ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thanks very much. Appreciate your show. All right, Debbie. Take care. Remember, open that flu, please. Absolutely. All right. Thank All you. Right. I know. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, back together, ho, 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 home improvement it is. It's so nice to hear Mike Miller, I, I, my yard. You know, when I first started on KMOX, uh, you know, my, I, I didn't have a good-looking yard. Well, then I'm, I'm right next to Mike Miller and the KMOX Garden Hotline. So I had a private audience, you know, with the green guy. You know, the guy that green thumb, shorts, frizzy hair, been doing this for all his life. My gosh, my yard has gotten so much better, and Mike Miller just answers questions here and there, you know, and then they separated our shows a little bit, my yard got more brown, my plants got unhappy, and then they put us back together, and then my yard got good looking. So anyway, I just like listening to Mike Miller and the KMOX Garden Hotline, uh, because he helps me, you know, maybe that's why you listen as well. Uh, well, we've got, a, we've got uh, news, weather, and sports coming up here soon. I do want to report here, I just an- answered Debbie, um, but in terms of gas logs, the flue is supposed to remain half an inch open all the time for any potential pilot light to vent the carbon monoxide up the chimney. When you operate or turn on a fireplace for gas logs or gas fireplace or fuel, you want to open that damper fully. That keeps us alive here on Cam Wags. 
KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, lunchtime, KMOX. Oh, yeah, so much to talk about, so little time. One more hour, home improvement, no guests, all phones, lots of things. We've got great calls already on the board, so it seems that everybody has awakened. Anyway, those of you that uh, dropped during the top, come on back, 314-436-7900, This is the continuation of the Helitech Home Improvement Show. My name is Scott Mosby. I think I've been this uh, host for 23 years. I'm in my 24 fourth year. It's kind of exciting. Uh, Things that I've seen come and go. Uh, One of the questions we have here from Marnie is really about an egress window. I think it's a great topic to get started on because um, as we've gone through this, and I'll speak to the fireplace. We had a caller off the air about uh, how do I keep the heat from going up my chimney. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but Marnie, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. Thanks for lunchtime. How may I help? Hi there. I'm considering building a home in a rural area where there's really no code and no inspections. And I know it's a safety factor to have egress windows if you in a bedroom in a basement if you have the basement finished. Yes. So absolutely. I've never known an egress window that hasn't leaked. Um, how does one get around using an egress window in a basement uh, with bedroom? Finish, finish the job. Um, rain has been happening for years. We know water falls out of the sky and we know it sits and will gather if we don't drain it away. It's called a pond or a fishbowl or whatever. So very often um, egress windows, and I'll tell you what that is for the rest of your listeners, uh, but an egress window gets a hole gets sawn in the side of the house a nice window of the proper size to let a firefighter and full turnout gear and air tank big enough for them to crawl in and out of the window and the windowsill is low enough for a toddler to climb out in a fire the issue is they don't put drains in them because they're very difficult well you're digging a hole around a foundation you either have to put in a sump drained floor drain or tie it into the drain tile or something. But if people do not finish the job, and a cheap window is easier to sell than an expensive one, but it's the one that is properly drained that is finished. So 8 out of 10 of these egress windows around the St. Louis area are just not finished. People are cutting holes in the wall, put in the nice code compliant window but they're not managing the water it's a you know that's one of the big missions of the KMOX home improvement show is to bring those messages out remember i mean you it's not uncommon for you if you have an egress window to want the thing to stay dry it's not an unreasonable consumer request so it's somebody's just not finishing the job so there's no really way to get around that in a bedroom, oh. in a basement, I mean, you have to have an egress window for safety, correct? Oh, yeah. If the if the house burns down, the code requires you have two ways out, and one being the door so you can go out to the hallway. Well, if the fire is in the hallway, now what do you do? Do you have to run into the fire to get Well, people aren't going to do that. We're smart enough not to run into the fire. So as humans, we want a second way out, and that's why all bedrooms have to have a bedroom window of egress size. So if you're putting a sleeping 
room below grade, you still need a bedroom window of escape size or egress size uh, because it's, you know, beware. The life you save may be your own or somebody you love because they're staying in your home. It's a big deal. All right. Well, thank you very much. And, and, and Marnie, just uh, as you're designing the home, just bring that question up with your builder and just say, how can I be sure that this below grade, you know, egress window doesn't leak? Tell me what you're going to do for that. And and you'll know. I mean, he either is thinking about it or she's thinking about it or not. But it really is. Um, we do a lot of fixing things at Mosby Building Arts. And this is one of them where sometimes it costs more to properly drain and protect the water leakage of an egress window than it is to put the window in. And, you know, the consumers just don't want to hear that. And, you know, but they typically put the egress window in because it's required. Most of them leak because nobody thought about where does the water go when it falls inside of a hole Uh all right well thank you you bet marnie good question thanks for the call uh kmox 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 welcome aboard we are in hour two of the kmox home improvement show Uh, i also want to tell you a little bit about uh walk-in showers um and Bath bathtubs or bathing facilities. So the classic one, pros and cons of a walk-in shower. Uh, I used to think my wife and I would travel, and we'd get to a hotel, and we're you know bushed. It's eleven o'clock at night. We're looking for a place to sleep on the road, and they say, well, all we have is the accessible first-floor bedroom. Well, have you ever stayed in one of those? Oh my gosh. How comfortable is this? You know, your shower, you can, you don't bang your elbows on the walls because they're big showers, big enough for a wheelchair. Oh, and walking into the shower is curbless or zero entry, meaning you just walk right in. There's nothing to trip over on the way in and out. So some years ago, now, whenever it's possible, we say, look, we are not required to have this, but if you have one available, we would like to have it. Oh, sure, no problem. We've got a second one available if we get a guest that wants a accessible room. They are terrific. So now as we get into Mosby Building Arts in my career, these curbless or walk-in showers uh, are terrific. Now, as we had with Marnie's phone call previously, managing the water, keeping it inside the shower. Everybody wants no shower door. There are some consequences to that. It's like, well, I'm going to be in the shower. What you don't realize is the water comes down, hits you in your chest, and the water goes right angles left and right. So if you don't have shower doors on those two directions or a wall, you wind up with water splashing. So thus the now three-eighths thick shower doors or the half-inch tempered glass shower doors that just swing and stay put. And then we have gaskets. There are maintenance requirements. The more beautiful the shower door, the more convenient it is, the more maintenance comes with it because you have to change those gaskets every now and again, every couple, two or three years because they you know, it's important. They're very close to zero clearance, and some of those floors slope into the shower. And if people slope up or swing the door out into the bathroom, which, you know, they're designed for that, those clearances are tighter. So just be aware that's all part of it. But the value of a curbless, curb free, zero entry walk in shower superb and if any of you are athletes out there and you come around second base playing softball or tennis and you twist that ankle or that knee you'll know what i'm talking about because if you have to climb up those stairs for the bedrooms on a two-story home 
you'll realize how important a first-floor accessible bedroom or facility and bathroom is. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. When we get back, I'm going to talk about a little bit at the end of Hour 1. We had Debbie call in about a fireplace insert, and a woman called and said, please, I came in late. I want to hear about how to keep the heat inside my house from my gas log or gas fireplace system. I may not have good news for you, but uh, anyway, we'll talk about that more. As it also relates to Don's question on line one, when we come back on KMOX. All right, home improvement, Scott Mosby, back together, lunchtime. Put a few shrimp on the barbie, feed bag on the old snout, and off we go. Phone lines for you. I welcome them. We need a few more calls, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Let's go right back to our callers and talk with Nick. Hey, Nick, good afternoon. Have something to say about egress windows. How can we help? Yes, yes I do. Uh, yeah. I have the window wells, and mm-hmm. I used to have problems when they were uncovered with the water coming in. I just got simple plastic covers to put over them, and I have no problem anymore. Now... I assume you said the egress window is below grade. So are the yes. window wells. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it, it's just a big window well window that you can climb out easily. Exactly. Of, and yeah. basically, if you put uh, something like the uh, window well uh, metal uh, thing around that, it could mm-hmm. be yeah. homemade and then attach it to the wall above there with a cover over it that anybody going outward would be able to shove the cover up and get out. And it'd be yeah. large enough for somebody, you know, a human being, a full, an adult, to go through. So that's a potential, I think that's a potential solution. Yeah, Nick, uh, a plastic cover can be used on that to shed it. Uh, the issue that we face, though, is when we get spring-saturated rainfall and that water leaks from down under and literally raises when the water table raises. But you're right, it'll cover probably 80% of rainfall issues. So anything that's surface water, um, it that you would handle that with your plastic cover. Uh, the other issue we do keep in mind is when you have a window that's that big you need a window well that is that big so the window wells for an egress window are about two and a half feet deep and about four feet wide so it's a big piece of plastic and anything that will span that because now you have to make it heavy enough for somebody that might walk across it maybe a dog or a critter or a full-size human so then there's that and then you make that thing so support worthy from the top then it's too heavy to open from the inside by a five-year-old escaping so it's a whole handful of issues around that whole code thing so but you're correct a a plastic cover can will and does work fine i I think a a piece of of uh, plexiglass that's hinged above this on an angle yeah high Uh, enough angle no one would walk yeah exactly so i don't walk over my window well covers because they, they go right through them but I mean, and I've never had a problem with uh, surface, ground surface water coming up from underneath. Nice. Even when nice. we had uh, a couple of years, a few years ago, we had a lot of water, yeah. and uh, a lot of people had leaks in their basement that never had them before. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a thought. You might. No, it's a good idea. Thank thing. you. Hey, you're part of the family. Thanks for the help. Okie doke. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. 
There you go, Nick, with plastic window covers, cover your egress window. Uh, issues you have to manage, as he and I were discussing, it has to be sloped enough to dissuade anybody from walking on it, uh, dogs and kids especially, uh, and then it has to be light enough that you can lift it from the inside. Uh, and anyway, that's why we do the design build at Mosby, because those issues, we know what those numbers are. I don't, but uh, our designers do, and our installers and construction team does. Uh, 314-436-7. 800-925-1120. Uh, let's go with Don and see what's happening. Hey, Don, good afternoon. Welcome to CAMWAX in the afternoon. How can we help? Hey, Scott, thank you. I was listening to the the fireplace discussion, and yeah. just curiosity, we had a wood-burning fireplace, and we converted it to a what they call the vent-free fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vent-free, they said we could leave our glue closed. Um, yep. And we're currently building a new home, and we asked them the same question. Uh, and from us, it's called the, the product is a Monesson, um product through mm-hmm. Forshaw, and okay. it's a product that you know generates a lot more heat into the house without losing any heat. So I was just yes. making sure, you know, that 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 they, is that a different product than you were talking about prior. Uh, yeah, she's a traditional uh, gas log system that wasn't built. A vent-free f- fireplace basically has a whole different um, combustion method, uh, and it does give off carbon monoxide, but at a much lower rate because of how, uh, let me say, sophisticated that ignition is. I will say this, Don, that as architects, we cannot put a vent-free fireplace inside of a bedroom or sleeping facility. Uh, okay. Because if you if you read the instructions on a vent-free fireplace, somewhere in there it will say, crack the window when you operate the fireplace so that you have makeup air that comes into the house and then feeds the combustion air for the vent-free and then, you know, uh, back into it. So, but it, the reason for that is really not combustion air but for oxygen for the residents so i'm i'm not a real big fan on vent free fireplaces because if they won't let me put it in a sleeping facility then there's something else about it that suggests it may not be quite right so when i'm burning in anything i'm in a freely ventilated something or i have a flu with it so we do install vent free fireplaces oftentimes family rooms uh, living rooms places you know kitchen hearth rooms things like that but not in bedrooms unless they're fully vented correct and this is going in the family room and like i said Perfect. we had it in the other home never I guess the other option would be just to make sure you have a carbon monoxide sensor of some sort in that area. Yeah, and that's part of the code to require that. But you're exactly right. By being unvented, the yield on the heat is high, high, high. So, I mean, you're keeping all, you're not letting the heat go up the flue. But with it does come a little bit of carbon monoxide exposure, um, more so than with a vented, um, very in, uh, efficient um fireplace vented system okay okay so in yeah. a family room a family room a, 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 for a new installation that's not an issue with a vent free correct like correct okay. 
And generally, family rooms are big enough and have enough other ventilation that they're open to the kitchen and something else, have an exterior door that gets open and closed a few times. So the risk there is very different than in a bedroom where people go to sleep, you know, at 10 o'clock and they don't open up any doors or windows uh, till 6 a.m. So that's a very unvented closed system, oftentimes close the bedroom doors. That's very different than a family room and why the code is written that way. Gotcha. And this build, this particular builder, I won't say name, but it actually had a sealed fireplace that they typically sell. Mm-hmm. And that was something we did not want because that doesn't irradiate heat, but it doesn't seem to generate heat. My wife likes to go up to the fireplace and feel the heat. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why we, we actually switched it to the vent three that we had had success with in the past. So. Yeah, you're you're pretty much covering all the points of how do I pick a fireplace? Do I want a vent free? Do I want a sealed combustion? Well, sealed combustion is dandy, but it's like watching a picture on the other side of a piece of glass. It's not, you know, you know, Santa Claus is not coming down that fireplace, you know. <laughs> yeah, we were at the display and we stood in front of one. The other yeah. one turned it on. The heat was amazing. Came back and the first one still wasn't even hot. So yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, thanks for the call. Good good conversation. Appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, so there we go. We cover it. Now, uh, I want to get into this a little bit more because one of our callers off the air uh, called and said, I, I want to hear more about how to keep the heat inside my house. Keep in mind, a regular wood-burning fireplace is designed to suck the air out of your whole house, make all your windows and doors leak, and up the chimney flue goes all the heat. The heat from 100 years ago and why we had fireplace and hearths and these big massive stone things, once you get that big hunk of masonry, stacked rocks, brick, stone, whatever it is, that's where the radiant heat comes from and why they keep the fire burning in you know the log cabins or the sod huts, whatever it was from 100, 200, 300 years ago, uh, is the radiation of that warm chunk of stone. But typically burning a fire is a very warm right next to the fire. But if you're in a bedroom, say 30, 40, 50 feet away, then there's a vacuum being drawn by that chimney flue as that heat rises with a quite a convective energy. I mean, it's literally drawing a vacuum on the house. And when we do energy audits, which is basically a blower door test on a house, uh, we can tell right where that air is coming in to feed that fireplace. And keep in mind, I have a gas log system in my home in a masonry fireplace. I love it, but my estimation is it cost me about $3.25 or $3.50 per hour to run that thing because, you know, if you want a real, you know, nice dancing fire, you know, well, we make fire pretty happy because we're using that gas, Uh, but most of the heat goes up the chimney, and I'm aware of, you know, if somebody's in another remote room, that room's probably going to get a little chilly, Um, and then that air, or the furnace comes back on, so you've got this roaring fire, and your furnace is heating the house all at the same time. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's take a short pause and uh, visit a few messages here and get back to business on University of KMOX. All right, back together, last half hour of the two-hour show. Stay tuned here on KMOX. 
Next hour is Retire Ready. Retire Ready coming up uh, at uh, 1 o'clock right here on University of X. Let's go to our phone lines here and speak with my friend Bill. Bill, good afternoon. How can we speak with you this morning or this afternoon on X? Hi, Scott. Um, Scott, I'm working on a project for a neighbor of mine. I'm installing an exterior handrail. It's a wrought iron handrail, mm-hmm. and it's going to go against a brick exterior. Okay. And so I had two questions regarding that specifically. One, um, should I drill into the brick, or would I be better off drilling into the mortar joints? And two, uh, the bolts that came with this uh, have a uh, tapered end on it, I assume, and the tapered end is about three-eighths of an inch. So I assume that that's the size of hole that I would need to drill, whether it's in the mortar joint or into the brick. So I'm kind of wanting your advice on that. Okay, uh, Bill, two questions. Uh, well, first off, do you drill into the mortar or the brick? Typically, those wrought iron handrails will require you to drill whether, wherever those uh, pre-drilled holes are if it's a prefabricated unit. Uh, it's okay to drill in the brick. It's okay to drill in the mortar. Uh, the one place that's really problematic is when you're half brick and half mortar. The issue is the brick is very, very strong. Um, The mortar is less strong, but it's an expansion anchor. So that anchor that you're sliding into that brick or mortar hole, whatever size you drill, that hole size is critically important to get just right because the um, pound rating of support of that anchor is defined by getting that diameter of the hole just right and then you put the fastener in the fastener spreads out those flanges so it's fine to put it in the mortar and fine to put it in the brick and if you have the ability to slide those up and down somewhere uh, your strongest will be in the brick Uh, you can actually go back and fix those later with a colored patch if you need to fill them after they come off or you don't want them anymore Uh, brick is the strongest mortar is the second but either one frankly is used every day Uh, some people just don't like to drill the brick because you're really defacing a forever material and the mortar you can always tuck point it back right and that was one of my one of my concerns not so much the defacing but potentially the brick cracking you know and and so i thought the mortar joint might be a little more stable. Well, when I was first uh, trained on how to put these things in by my dad, old school, before we had these anchors, we typically would uh, drill out uh, about a half by half inch mortar joint between the brick, and then we would jam in a cedar or redwood a peg we'd actually whittle it down put adhesive inside the hole and jam that thing in so it was already a very tight and then break it off and chisel it flat with the brick and then that wood screw would just go right into a nice piece of wood and expand it in the same fashion that's a little old school and and labor intensive by now you've got all these good anchors but somewhere on that anchor uh, will be a size of that anchor, and sometimes sold with that is the proper size drill bit diameter. Generally, if you have a uh, 3-8 anchor, that would be a 6-16, and you typically would drill, you, you know, a 7-16 a hole, just a little bit bigger so that it slides in with a little bit of resistance. And, of course, cleaning the dust out, and I carry a little plastic straw that I just stick in there, bend the straw, and go... 
you know, give it, blow the dust out, and then make sure that's, that anchor goes in. But if you can look up and find the actual rating and diameter of that anchor uh, and find the real answer of what size hole, that, that's the, you know, formula for success. Yeah, I, and so this was something that I'd ordered online for my neighbor, and uh, it's an elderly couple, and so I just, I continually watch them struggle getting up and down. It's just a single yeah. step, but uh, to have something for them to grab onto. But I don't notice anything, I, as I looked on the bolt, I just m- measured the tapered end, and it's like 3.8, so I would then, uh, what, uh, 7 sixteenths, you said? Uh, yeah, well, typically you'll go on, if, if you do a search on the internet, for example, if it is a 3 8 anchor, then typically you use a 7 16 hole. But when you do a 7 16 hole, you can't let that thing wobble and walk on you to where at the time you're finished, you got an 8 16 half inch hole. So when you drill it, you've got to be right at it. And God bless you, Bill, for helping your neighbors. Uh, that's That's awesome. That's just super. Thank you. Oh, not a problem. All right, well, I appreciate the, I was looking at this railing and i was outside trying to figure out okay what i need to do and i happen to have your program on i thought well, i'll give you a call <laughs> bill thanks for the call and thanks for helping your neighbors uh you know one day it'll be you and me that we need the help <laughs> absolutely <You know. laughs> what goes around comes around brother it does it does all, all right. right well thank you thank you for your program i appreciate the, the info it's always very interesting thank you thank Thanks, Bill. And I love being part of the family of uh, KMOX because I learned so many things. Uh, and uh, one of the callers called in about heatilator unit fireplaces, and I'll speak to that in just a minute. Uh, we do have uh, phone calls and phone op- phone uh, uh, lines open for you, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. I was talking a little bit about showers, uh, and this is all from our Call Mosby website or Mosby Building Arts website, which is kind of the second half of this uh, KMOX Home Improvement Show is how do we continue the narrative and keep helping people you know like bill how do you you know so i suspect in the coming months we'll have a blog of how do you size a hole for a masonry anchor Uh, anyway one of the things that we really like to incorporate into a shower or a bathroom model is a bench a seat a place to sit down Um, ladies you've been smart enough to do this for decades uh, and for sitting down and having enough sense in a slippery environment to sit down, for heaven's sakes. So having those seats, and typically, if you've ever gotten soap in your eyes, gotten disoriented at a time, and you lose your balance, you're not going to open your eyes to get reacquainted because your face is covered with soap. That's when having a seat and knowing where it is, you just plunk down right on the seat, you know, clear your eyes of the soap, you open your eyes, you get reoriented. The point is that shower benches and shower seats are really important for many, many reasons. One of them being safety, another accessibility uh, for being able to take the uh, weight off your feet, sit down and bathe. Uh, Also, where do you put the shampoo and all those things if you don't have a niche? You know, maybe it's an exterior wall and it was going to be a cold niche if you put one in the outside wall. Storage is important. Also, the design and the style. It tends to put something going on inside your shower a little bit more. Also, you just want to soak. I don't know. After I do a long day of yard work, sometimes just soaking in that shower hot water, having a nice seat. And uh, there's a, on this blog, there's a picture of a fold-down seat. 
Also, the accessibility as we age, that becomes more and more important. So anyway, I just want to bring that up and let you know. Um, as we get into the heatilators, we also had a caller that said, I have a heatilator fireplace. Speak to that. A heatilator fireplace is what we in the business call a unit fireplace. It came out in a prefabricated metal box. It has the flue built into it. The firebox is already calculated. It has a non-combustible surface on the inside uh, and every, you know, the size of the, the, the fireplace opening is properly engineered for the size and diameter of the flue. Uh, so heatilators are basically a traditional masonry fireplace in a man-made way. Uh, so they have all the same things. You open the flue on that thing and you open the doors, all the air from the inside of your house is going right up the flue. By the way, for those of you that have traditional flues and not high-efficiency gas furnaces, that hole, that flue, that vent for your fireplace, that's where all of these high-efficiency furnaces came from. They basically circulate the air or the flue gas, taking the heat out of that furnace, and then they put the flue gas up the chimney or the flue at a much cooler temperature by harvesting the heat out of that before it goes up. Fireplaces don't really have that ability. There are some very involved masonry chambers, and you, you get into some serious math and design on designing the proper way for a firebox or smoke chimney or smoke uh, um, box, you know, that the hat, the top. And some of those are designed to circulate a few times, and that's to capture, again, more heat. But heatilators, Majestic, uh, all of those are typically a typical wood-burning fireplace and can be added with gas log systems and retrofit, but you're still going to pull all the air out of your house and right up the chimney. Then there are alcohol fireplace units. Many of these alcohol units or fuel, you know, you buy a can, you buy a fuel, they have very little to no carbon monoxide in the flue gas. So they can be completely unvented. Um, so that's where you get into alcohol units and why they can be pretty much put anywhere. They tend to be portable units. And then there are electrical fireplaces. And the electric fireplaces typically just have dancing media, some sort of a reflective something to simulate the look of a uh, flame. Anyway, so I wanted to get into that. But heatilator is akin to a normal gas or, or uh, excuse me, wood-burning fireplace or fuel-burning um, in all of that. And when you get a stove, a wood-burning stove where all the doors close, then the combustion air for that comes down the flue. And that's where flue sizing, engineering, elbows, 90s, 45s, all of that gets very controlled because not only does it have to let the flue gas escape or the chimney, uh, the wood, you know, smoke, escape it also inhales down that so when you have a sealed uh, front or glass system that tends to be more of how it works uh, and then you have the combustion air. anyway enough of that uh, let's take a short pause and come back later for this on uh, KMOX this is Scott Mosby University of KMOX and I am at your service Oh, yes, indeed. Home improvement. This is Scott Mosby. We're wrapping up the end of the hour. Stay tuned. Retire ready next up on CAMOX. Lots of things happening on this beautiful Saturday. How about this weather? Huh? You open the windows. Oh, my gosh. Talk about glorious sleeping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's go talk with my friend uh, Joe. Hey, Joe, good afternoon. Welcome to CAMOX. How can we afternoon, talk today? Scott. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. I got two questions. Uh -huh. Number one, your opinion on these telescoping flagpoles. I like them. 
I like them. Like, yeah, it, they're it looks like it's five sections that just telescope down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, frankly, um, you know, I've got one that is not telescoping and one that is telescoping. Uh, and literally, when I have to do maintenance on the real flagpole, man, it's a beast. I mean, I have to pull this thing out of the ground. I have to get somebody to help me. You know, the, the other one, you know, it just kind of comes down, unclick it, and it, you know, it's like an extension on a golf ball retriever. It just comes down. And frankly, when I put it away for the winter season, which I typically do at this place you know it it just stores out it's five six feet long i you know put it up on the wall and bring it out in the spring when it's time to you know go again so uh they're they're high quality they're pricey they're well made um and uh, the reason they're not too tall is because the taller you get them then they need to be really anchored in the ground so for example the one that's not a telescoping you know i have in concrete with a sleeve buried in it because it's you know it it you you get 80 mile an hour winds with a five foot flag up there and a you know 20 foot lever my golly you're talking about some serious torque at that ground level right Mm -hmm. okay second question is i have uh going back to your helator question there 1960 we built an addition on the house with a finished uh basement under it and Mm -hmm. in there we installed a uh Helator in the foundation wall. When we when they poured the foundation, they had one of those steel helators in the wall. Mm-hmm. All right. Over the years, the damper rushed it out on that thing. Yeah, they did. And so my son had a a Dare Four, D A R E Roman numeral four hmm. uh, insert. Beautiful yeah. job. It must be three eighth inch steel on it. Yeah. And. Uh, he gave me that. We put it in there, and we used it for several years. And then we decided to pull it out. He wanted me to make sure I got the chimney cleaned. Yeah. When I did that, the chimney guy says, I can't okay that. You don't have a uh, flute pipe on it. The, uh, uh, oh, the boot? The round circular boot pipe gasket thing? Pardon? Uh, the boot gasket for the, the where the flue makes up from the old to the new unit? Uh, well, yeah, it's, I was just using, there was no damper there. So I was using the, uh, insert as just uh-huh. going up through the, the masonry chimney, yeah, which has a, I think a 13 by 13 flue in it thir- or yeah. 16. I'm not sure which. Yep. And, um, so anyway, they said, well, we have to put one of those kits in there. That, uh, uh-huh. uh, it's a eight inch. Uh, flexible pipe that you run, put a plenum on the insert mm-hmm. and then yeah. put the damper up on the top of the chimney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like a trapdoor thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I decided not to go with that, but I did have him put a damper on the top of the chimney, so I did have it usable at that time, That I, but I couldn't put the insert in. Yeah. I've got that insert, and it's a beautiful job, and I'd, I'd like to figure out how I can get back to using it without... Is it necessary by federal law that I have to have that plenum and damper that goes up to the, I mean, the plenum and, and um, vent pipe? 
Well, it's part of the energy efficiency thing because, frankly, if you have a small fire, the size of your damper opening is generally commensurate with that if you have a roaring fire. The the point, keep in mind, the the heatilator, there's the type that's put in wood-framed buildings today or, or 20 years ago. That's kind of a sheet metal thing. The heatilator you're talking about is a real steel chunk of metal that's laid into a masonry, you know, that that bricklayers would put in or you poured into your your foundation. Uh, and Correct. the issue is it's below grade, so you had steel below grade, and that's why it rusted. Um, and yes, when you lose that damper, it's important that you retrofit something with that uh, unit fireplace. The problem is that putting something in, none of your uh, chimney sweeps can touch this thing because if it's not an, a, uh, a UL-listed damper that has been proven to work, they can't touch it or else they're taking on all the liability of it. You see what I mean? So that's what you've run up against is, uh, you know, you and I not being experts in building fireplaces, uh, we have to depend on uh, testing experts, and that's why the chimney sweep wouldn't touch it. So even if you do retrofit this thing, there's no guarantee it's going to work right. Okay, uh, I can't put the insert back in there again and use it the way I was before. Uh, no, not without a lot of risk, because there's no way you or I would even know whether it works right, you know? Well, I have the damper up on top now. You know, they installed that. Well, that can work. Then then you're okay with that. You can put that unit back in without a damper if you do have a UL-approved damper up on top. So I think you're okay then, Joe. All right. All right, I got to go. I got 10 seconds. Good talking to you, Joe. Hey, folks, stay tuned. We've got Retire Ready coming up next here on KMOX. Scott Mosby here broadcasting from the wonderful studio. Have a great day.